oh hey when you edit this episode yeah at the beginning can you like add like a disclaimer about spoilers by the way sure considering fear <laughs> street is still kind of new <laughs> Oopsies. <laughs> Go watch the movies. They're right on Netflix. <laughs> but keep this conversation in there in the, in the show. <laughs> sure, sure, sure. A full moon rises before nightfall. A good night to enjoy the fruits of the land. This week's episode The Witch versus Hereditary versus Fear Street Part 3, 1666. It's me. hello everyone wouldst thou like to live deliciously welcome to another episode of movie deja vu a podcast that answers the question didn't i see this somewhere from two movie aficionados I am your mother, Shady, and with me is accused witch John. John, how are you doing? I didn't do it. <laughs> I'm not the witch. Oh. Uh, I mean, nobody's going to believe you. It's true. It's very true. That's how this whole thing works. I'm going to put a pin in what you, that you called me the witch for a second. Okay. Okay. We'll get back okay. to it when we, we'll when we start talking it. about the movies. Yeah. Mostly, I just wanted to say I am your mother, but I don't. That's fair. I can't say it with the gravitas of Tony Collette, unfortunately. No one can because it's Tony Collette. So, <laughs> hello but this to is our... part. This is part three of our trilogy that Whoa. we're doing. Yeah. If you didn't listen to the first two parts, go do that. Um, and this is the first one in the trilogy where we are comparing a Fear Street movie from Netflix to, first of all, two movies. Yeah. And also two movies that we have not previously discussed. We had previously discussed Scream and Friday the 13th. So, but fun fact for those of, for those of you who don't know, which is basically all of you. We kind of planned on talking about these two movies anyway. So the fact that <laughs> it works with Fear Street, it was yeah. perfect. So. Yeah. And John's doing a little shoulder dance right now that I'm enjoying very much. Shoulder shake, shoulder shake. Yeah, for planning. Uh, I will start with The Witch because it came out first in 2015. It Such was a ri- good year. A great year. <laughs> we were so naive back then. I know. <laughs> anyway. Anyway, anyway, The Witch, written and directed by Robert Eggers, with a Rotten Tomatoes score of 90% fresh and a Metacritic score of 83 out of 100. And that is out of 46 reviews. 43 of them were positive. Three were mixed, zero negative. But what does IMDb say about it? IMDb says a family in 1630s New England is torn apart by the forces of witchcraft, black magic, and possession. Ooh. Mm. And then we get Hereditary in 2018, written and directed by Ari Aster. I believe this is also his feature his length debut. He had feature, done a few yeah. shorts. Um, which has a Rotten Tomatoes score of 89% fresh. And a Metacritic score of 87 out of 100. And that is out of 49 reviews. 
46 of them are positive, two mixed, one negative. And according to IMDb, a grieving family is haunted by tragic and disturbing occurrences. Sure. Uh Uh-huh. Yeah, that's what happens. You don't want to know more than that going into this movie, to be fair. To be fair. To be fair. And uh, I also want to note that both of these movies, uh, The Witch and Hereditary, come from the production studio A24, Mm -hmm. which has a lot to do with the style of these movies. Yes, it does. (laughs) And then not from A24, but instead from Chernin and Netflix, we have Fear Street Part 3, 1666, released in 2021. Woo! Woo! Uh, written by Phil Graziade, Lee <laughs> J. We and don't know her last name. Come on the pod, so Lee. sorry. We have so much respect for you. Um, I don't we know. Love to... We love these movies. Yeah. We want and we want, like, Okay. Every I want time, her to become a household name so that, A, we can pronounce her name. But, like, every time we fuck up a last name on this, on this podcast, like, even in episode one, I fuck up those names so bad. Mm-hmm. But it, like, it's me. I'm the one that's, <laughs> I'm the one that doesn't know how to pronounce her name. And I, I always apologize. Mm-hmm. I'm always sorry about it. But, like, I want, I I want I want everyone to know that like Shady and I try our darndest. We sure do. Um, and it is also because she's you know also new to. I don't know if these Fear Street movies are her first features, um, but you know she's new enough on the scene that like there aren't like interviews with her that we can go look up and hear how her name is pronounced. Right, and as well as the other writers, because like. Uh, the other writers, they did a banger of a job on these movies. Sure did. Uh, we'll and listen that, to the last two episodes if you don't believe us. Yeah, so we, Janiuk, Janiak, Yannick, and Phil Graziade uh, wrote the first two and also this one. And this one, they're joined by Kate Treffrey, Tree Fry. Again, come on the pod, correct us. Come on the pod. Uh, based on the books by R.L. Stein. Directed by Lee Janiuk, uh-huh. Janik, however, <laughs> a Rotten Tomatoes score of 90% fresh, a Metacritic score of 68 out of 100. That is out of 15, one five, 10 were positive, five were mixed. But according to IMDb, the origins of Sarah Fear's curse are finally revealed as history comes full circle on a night that changes the lives of shady siders forever. Ooh, shady, your townsfolk. My, my, my kin. Your kin are, are gonna be changed forever. <laughs> forever. I also want to, I want to point out real quick that, um, the Fear Street movies are all about, they all mention Sarah Fear, right? Yeah. Fear Street in the title is F-E-A-R, and Sarah's last name is F-I-E-R. Just want to point that out, because oh, it's so weird. Yeah, and this is the first time we actually get an official title drop where we actually see the sign for Fear Street. 
but it's yes. F-I-E-R Street. But we don't get that in the earlier movies. So there you no. go. Um, so I wrote down as a comparison, and you're going to love this. I just wrote in all caps with a few exclamation points afterwards. Accents! Oh! All of these movies have accents! So many! Like, uh, we forget, I always forget about Tony Collette. Because she, she's so good at dialects. She always does uh, American. Well, no, she's not always, but she does a lot of American movies and enough of them that it's like, um, right. She, you, she one, one forgets that she's actually British, right? British. She's Australian. I'm so bad at this. <laughs> but then in Fear Street and The Witch, we get well. Fear Street, we get this weird Irish, English uh-huh. hybrid. Mm-hmm. But, uh, I we think get it's this... supposed to be Irish. It varies from actor to actor. Matt Thomas is just whatever he wants to be. Uh, and then in The Witch, they are from England. So they gave them mod... Mm, semi-modern english accents yeah i'm not a linguist i have no fucking clue no we're just podcasters yeah but like we don't have recordings of people from that time so no we have writings though we do which is what the witch did based a lot of their dialogue off of real quick i just also wanted to add in that gabriel byrne who is also in hereditary is also doing an accent because i believe he's irish Ooh! I only mentioned Tony Collette because you know. She, I mean, she's oh my god, she's so good in this movie. Speaking of Tony Collette, though, all the movies have a hysterical mother. A his, I thought you said historical. historical? I almost did. I, meant, <laughs> I, meant, I said hysterical yep. because Tony Collette's character isn't always hysterical. But like when she's when she's manic, she's manic. Mm-hmm. This is like the whole movie is like a good portion of the movie is her having a nervous breakdown, but we're seeing it from her point of view. Right. And uh, then the other half, we're seeing it from Alex Wolf's point of view and he's her son and he gets, uh, you know, the brunt of that nervous breakdown. Oh boy. Uh, and then in The Witch the mother is so weird like when she has that moment where she admits that she wants to go back to england it, you feel bad for her mm-hmm. and then she dies she dies because her daughter kills her out of self-defense because she is trying to kill her daughter after she signed the book right well well well, uh, and then in Fear Street, so how Fear Street structures it is that in 1666, you see actors from both Fear Street movies portray people from Union City. Is that what it was called? I think it was just called Union. Just Union, which yeah. then broke up to be Shady Side and Sunnyvale. Right? Following me? Yes. I'm going to use her present name, Sam. Her mm. 
who she was back then, you see the actress who played, like the woman who was her mother mm-hmm. in present in 94, um, mm-hmm. play her mother again. And she was uh, a little much. <laughs> she is, I mean, Mrs. Fraser in 1994 is like really fucking homophobic but like mrs miller in 1666 is like super homophobic oh oh oh, okay well i hate you super duper yeah uh yeah she's she's pretty awful both versions of that of that i mean there's some moments when she's hysterical that you know, like when her husband murders children, uh, you kind of understand that. Okay, right. I, I empathize with that. But like, she was like, she was awful to her daughter. Like she was abusive to her daughter. even And to that. Sarah. And to Sarah. Because I mean, yes, homophobic, but like Sarah was trying to prove her innocence. So mm-hmm. the fact that like, she didn't really believe her is another story. Mm. Okay, I'm taking a pin out. Remember the pin that I put in? All right, take it out. Beginning of the episode? Yeah. Taking it out. In all three movies, a man becomes possessed by somebody else. Ooh. Yep. So, I, well, okay. Kind of. Can we say spelled? Well, so, okay. In Hereditary and in Fear Street, um, it is Peter and Cyrus, respectively. And like Fear Street is all the other right. male right. zombie killers, if you right. want to be technical. The but. only known possession victim who's a female in the Fear Street saga is Ruby Lane. The rest of them are all male. And the beginning of Sam. Oh, right, right, Sam. Sam isn't fully possessed. I think they have that moment when she's uh, strangling D in the, I can't believe I'm saying these words. She's strangling <laughs> D in the underground tunnels of the town. But she has a moment where she let, lets go of her right. of D's neck. Well, that's, that's interesting because it also echoes stuff that had happened in earlier Fear Street movies where in the very first sequence when Heather is getting murdered, Maya Hawke's character, she attempts the same thing where she's yelling out to Ryan, 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 it's me. And it doesn't work. Because I so, think Ryan killed somebody already. Well, I never took it as that. I just took it as like, that is like the bond between Dina and Sam is so strong that it overcomes Satan. Uh, But it could be what you said. Like there's no definitive. Who knows? Right. Both theories hold weight. Lee Janik, whatever your last name is, come on the pod. Tell us what, tell us what we know. So then in The Witch, this is where it gets a little confusing because Caleb, when he comes back, Back from making out with that woman, <laughs> room two two seven woman. Uh, he comes back, but like I'm not sure if he's possessed. The witch makes you question a lot of things. Mm-hmm. I feel like um, where you don't know exactly if it's real or if it's um, 
all because of their isolationism, which we kind of talked, we talked, which we talked about last week. Yeah. Last time. I'm not sure if like for Caleb, it was the fact that he was running around naked in the woods and he was sick and then just started mumbling words. But like the monologue that he gives before he dies, come on, give me, it's beautiful. Mm. Well acted too. Right. His name is is Harvey Scrimshaw. Which is so rude because he's like 10. I know. Whatever. Or not even, maybe. Right. I believe that actor's name. I don't have it right in front of me. I believe it's Harvey Scrimshaw. He's so good. Cast this kid and everything. I mean, don't because like I don't want like the show business to like ruin him. Um, But cast him in some things. And then when he's an adult, cast him in everything. Right. Exactly. There you go. Let's get the resume going. But yeah, like yeah. when he's an adult, make him like Leonardo DiCaprio. Yeah, it, it does so, because it's also is it the witch possessing him or is it Satan himself? Right. Or is he not possessed and just has a right. fever and is just blathering on? And then the other thing that all three of these movies have that I noticed is that we see a ritual happening. Right. Um, with Fear Street. We actually see the first good. Solomon. Solomon good. Do the ritual to like get the devil's mark in the ground and everything and like put Cyrus's name on. Oh, right. The Millers. Duh. Put Cyrus's name on the. The stone. Sure. Stone? What? Just the stone? Is that what we're going to say? Sure. Great. Yeah. <laughs> um, and then in Hereditary, it's that whole final scene, which I'm still confused about, but not, but I am. I, it's not that I'm scared of it. I just, I'm just like, what the fuck is happening? They like, were finishing their, they, they had started the payment ritual years ago and they were finally finishing it. Well, you, that I got, but like, seeing it happening you're just like what the fuck is going and then uh at the end of the witch you see the women in the woods start floating Mm -hmm. which fun fact that i definitely told you i think (laughs) the baby that was taken right during this time period it was believed that witches used babies in a formula of sorts or an ointment if you will that they would rub all over their body and on their brooms so that they can fly and so that's what they're doing i know it's it's, gross and disgusting it makes you feel icky on the inside but that was historically accurate for that movie that was their that was their ritual if you will (laughs) but have you did you notice any other similarities with all three movies jumping off of that all three movies feature young children dying getting horribly murdered because we got the baby samuel in the very beginning of the the bitch or the witch uh you've got do the twins die it's unclear twins disappear obviously we never see them again and then caleb who's a child of sorts right uh and then in hereditary charlie dies how old is she supposed to be 
13, they said. Okay. Still a child. Right. Okay. And then um, Fear Street, they're all kids. The, the children in the church. Yeah. How many is it? A dozen, they said? Uh, hold the phone. Probably. Let's say well, a dozen. Well, because so the body count that I have is that Fear Street has 14 and Hereditary and the Witch each have four. Ooh, they have the same. Well, her, the witch is questionable because like we said, we're not sure about the twins. Right. We don't see evidence that they're actually killed. So that is, that is. Uh, but yes, that's what I counted while, whilst watching the movies. I did notice though that in, okay, so let's start with The Witch and Fear Street just being like direct comparisons. Okay. Um, a character falsely claims to be a witch. Yes. What's her name? Anya Taylor-Joy. Thomason. Thomason, thank you. She does it just to like shut up her sister. Right. She's I mean, doing it like, you know, when you tease a, an annoying younger kid that like, oh, I'm going to punish you. Oh, I'm going to, you know, it's, I'm a witch and I'm going to spell you. Mm-hmm. And then Fear Street, Sarah does it so that she saves, um, what's her butt? Hannah. Uh, Hannah. Thank you. Yeah. So she could save Hannah. What gives her the idea is Hannah because Sarah's saying they can't hang us. They we're not really witches. And Hannah says they think we're guilty. So we are. And that's what kind of, you know, clues Sarah like, well, yeah, at this point, if to everyone else, I'm a witch, I might as well go be a fucking witch. And then to kind of uh, play off of what you're talking about, children being murdered, uh, both of these movies, The Witch and Fear Street, are centered around children slash teens. Like, yeah. They are the main characters. Yes, the mother and, like, yes, in The Witch, is it's an ensemble piece, but the kids are the ones that are running the show, really. Right. It, it's As, mostly Thomason's journey. Right. But, like, her, all of her siblings are important parts more than the parents it feels like Mm -hmm. i could be wrong but that's just my feelings no no i agree i mean it feels like in some ways they're the kids are paying for the sins of the parents and even the father has that whole breakdown where he he's wailing about his own pride and how that's like that was his family's downfall and everything um but most of the action is focused on the kids Right. And then I just found this one interesting. There, there's a possessed animal in each. Yep. Well, okay. So Black Phillip, who may or may not be Lucifer, who knows? He is. He's so cute. I love Black Phillip. But then in uh, Fear Street, you have the pig and the dog commits suicide? Question mark? We could have been murdered, could have been thrown in the well or, or tied up to the bucket and then thrown that, in the well. That's why I'm making it a question mark because we're not uh, sure. Right, right. He just disappears and the next time we see him, they're pulling his corpse out of the well. But, oh, the thing with the pig and the piglets makes the piglets. me so sad. They were so cute. <laughs> but, like, that's also not, well, 
that's not represented in the future. You mean because like, nobody really has livestock in right, right. It, it's it's about this is the beginning of them not being able to build good futures for themselves in Shady Side, which at the time meant your crops die and your livestock is possessed. <laughs> Fucked. Yeah. Um, and, and their water source is poisoned. That's also really important. Um, but like by the time we get to 1994, it's more just like there's not really a way for people to break out of this town. They're all just kind of stuck in a cycle of poverty. Which is surprising that they're banging up kids left and right because everyone's apparently dying every so often. <laughs> so, okay. Now that we're on this movie, okay. I tried so hard not to really talk about this. Mm-hmm. But... Nick Good, we find obviously we find out the good goods are evil. Good is evil. Good is evil. So Nick Good is the one in 1978 that put Tommy's name down, mm-hmm. correct? Yes. Did he also put Ruby's name down? I don't think so. I don't think he would have been old enough. Well, because wasn't Ruby like 10 years before 1978? If we're assuming that Nick is 18 in 1978, he would have been 10 or younger. I mean, it could have been the way that his father taught him. I mean, it could have been. I I just assumed it was his father because I assumed that Tommy was Nick's first sacrifice because of the way he sort of, he does when he, he sees the carnage of those four campers who were murdered. Um, he, he does, and he sees the blood on his own hands. He does kind of react almost like for just a second, like, what have I done? And then he wipes it on his shirt and kind of like recenters himself and moves on past it. Which when you first watch it, you think it's him in shock. Yep. Yep. Really clever there. There's also something similar with uh, Solomon discovering the corpses of the children uh, when Cyrus Miller has killed them where he has like a second of like, oh my God, I didn't think this is what was going to happen. And then he moves past it. Well, okay. So they definitely drop a hint before it's revealed that it was Cyrus, not Cyrus, Solomon. Solomon. Yeah, which they, I- They I, drop I, a massive hint. Right. I was really mad at myself upon rewatch where I was like, how did I not notice that the first time I watched this? But let's not say it for those that are listening to this. Yeah. Let's see if they know. And if you do know what we're talking about, email us. You know that you know the email address. We're going to say it at the end. Let us know <laughs> when maybe we'll make a prize or something. I don't know. We'll do a super <laughs> shout out in the in a future episode yeah. to you. But like once you know it's Solomon, you're like, "Oh, that's pretty obvious." Um, I will say this though, as opposed to Nick Good, who I was always kind of like, I think I'm supposed to like this guy, but I don't. I really liked Solomon before it was revealed. When she denies him, he oh. turns into an asshole. Oh, yeah. Like no, everyone else does. He's textbook nice guy. He's, why don't women like me? I'm such a nice guy, which I love that kind of villain. So <laughs> good job, Lee at all but what's really interesting is how each this one and the witch fear street and the witch treat their witch hunts it's so in the witch like i said it's so such an ensemble piece there are two or six actors really like six 
this the family is made of six people i know there's the baby but i'm not really counting the baby because it just appears really fast right and really it's a baby it doesn't have lines but when uh thomason thomason am i saying it right yeah when thomason like jokes around saying like you know ha ha i'm a witch blah uh and then the twins like turn on her and the the dad and everyone turns on her mm-hmm. it's sort of a similar approach to when the townsfolk in fear street well sorry when the men in fear street uh wait what did i call it i wrote down the women are falsely accused of being witches by scorned men am i wrong you're not wrong. It should be noted, though, that the women of the town definitely go along with it, though. They, well, like, yes, yes. But like, the only you... ones fighting against it are the young women and also the, the Simon character. Isaac? They, they, the kids that were in the woods, right, basically. Yeah. The party teens. Right. But well, like... well, Caleb's the one who starts it because he was turned no, down. That was that was Matt Thomas, wasn't it? Well, Caleb is the one who makes, he like has the whole story about how, oh, I saw Hannah Miller riding on a red goat or whatever in the woods with uh, Sarah Fear. Who plays Caleb? Caleb is the Peter, the asshole boyfriend from the first Fear Street. Ah, yes. (laughs) Sorry. Woo, that took a journey. (laughs) But Mad Thomas is the one who says that he saw Sarah Fear and Hannah Miller in the woods. And then Caleb is the one who that's right. Caleb story because he was turned down and rejected by Hannah and then embarrassed by Sarah. And then when Solomon changes his when uh, Sarah rejects Solomon, he changes his mind. And yeah, that's blah, 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 blah. And it's partly out of the rejection and also just partly because it's super convenient to cover his own tracks. Yes. I mean, the only difference, I guess, would be that, like, it's the town going against the two, and then it's the family against Thomason. Right, because a major theme in The Witch is that the family has already been banished from their village, so they're already isolated. There's not a town to turn against them anymore. Right. And like, even before they were trying to get rid of, like, they're, the whole thing is that they're trying to get rid of Thompson in a way. Cause, you know, she loses the baby. The right. mother thinks that she stole the cup. Which, like, a lot of it, too, again, going back to what you were saying about how this movie makes you question what's real and what isn't, a lot of it is just like, is Satan himself or some other demon actually the one who's trying specifically to isolate Thomason from her family because she's the most likely uh-huh. to become a witch and end up serving him? Yeah. I also thought it was one of those things where it's like, you're told something that you're not so many times that after a while you're like, maybe I am a witch, you know? Like, cause she has that moment where Every her fam, all of her family accuses her of being a witch so many times, and I think it's when they're in the goat shed uh, that she's like, "Am I a witch? Maybe I am one. I don't know what's going on. What's my life like?" <laughs> but unlike- it's also just it's so tragic because 
she's somebody who yearns for a type of independence that that society will not allow for her. So she turns away into what she thinks is independence, but what it is, at least in this movie, is now she's a servant to Satan. She's not free at all. No. She's just serving a different male figure. She's, she's condemned to be a hag. <laughs> but it's also, she, she, she's in servitude to a male figure. And, and that's what she was trying to get away from in the first place was being a servant to male figures. Mm. So and this is just, also this is also Anya Taylor Joy's first movie, her fil- her de- debut. Just note that, like this is her first movie feature film. Yeah, she's so good. Because <laughs> I think before this she was doing uncredited work. Okay, but this is like her first like real credited up front in front of the camera kind of a thing. She's so good. She did such a fantastic job. You want to know who else did a fantastic job? It's Tony Collette. And, oh my God. And the way that the, this is my, seg- my, my sexy segue into talking about Fear Street and Hereditary. Oh. Because both movies are broken up into sections. So we start in 1666 and then we do 1994 part two. Which, when that happens, man, (laughs) it feels like two movies, doesn't it? It is. It is two sides. It's like a full movie for 66. And then, oh, wait, we have all this other stuff to resolve that I was like, oh, my God, I almost forgot about this. But then in Hereditary, you see. Well, okay, so she's a model maker, right? She's an artist who specializes in making models. Mm-hmm. of things when we see the names for each section mm-hmm. i don't remember the exact names i'm talking about but you know what i'm like yeah i know they're on the walls is right. it on the is some of them on the walls in real life or is it all in the walls in her art or is it just added for us the audience and it's yeah. not really in the art that's what i th- i think it's visual non-diegesis where it's not in the universe of the movie it's just for our benefit yeah and they're like latin words i want to say or want to be latin words beats me i'm not a linguist we're not a lot of things on this podcast we're just podcasters guys (laughs) we're with we're with you we're saying your thoughts and then i also wrote down insects for these two movies yeah i did too i wrote a lot about insects and just rot in general right because uh we kind of talked about it last episode but those who are infected and become the killer zombies that we are pointing uh they in fear street they have flies around them is that because they're dead on the inside? I don't think they're... I just thought of that. I, I don't know. I, or, again, it's just something that's just kind of convenient for the audience. Right. But then in Hereditary, oh, oof, oh, there... We have ants that Tony Collette follows to her son's room. Uh-huh. And then we have, all, again, flies. Uh-huh. Mm-hmm billions of flies because her 
mother's corpse, her mother's corpse, her mother's yes. corpse was dug up and thrown into the attic, which what and I'm so glad that you picked these two movies because like like where the witch would drop the ball, hereditary could pick it up in a way that'll mm-hmm. make that makes 1666. Yeah, yeah, there's they're very complementary of each other. And we don't know for sure, but I would have to think that these were two of the major inspirations for 66. Oh, yeah, because like it's set 30 years after The Witch. Uh, right. And even though Hereditary is very modern day of its time, or well, still today, because it's only three years old. Yeah. I feel like a lot of things done in there were super helpful now yeah i i think this is i don't know for sure but again i think ari aster must have done a lot of research into what is believed about witchcraft um and and how the demonology works and stuff like that because mm-hmm. they're they're the the demon that they're conjuring is payman who's one of the eight kings of hell and so I think like he probably did have to do a lot of research about demonology in order to make it all fit. Um, again, I don't know a whole lot of that stuff. For, so for all I know, he's making it all up, but it seems legit to me. And then if 1666 did something similar to the father's death, I would be like, yeah, that, of course, you stole that from. <laughs> for big- well, Nick, they did and they didn't because like it's not verbatim like throwing a book into a fire and the and somebody else lighting on fire who's attached to it emotionally mm-hmm. but like when sarah runs to solomon thinking she summoned a witch or she is a witch or she summoned a demon or whatever mm-hmm. uh, and he talks about the book that like is the same with the both both movies in a way where mm-hmm. like there's the book and the witch done i mean it's exactly the same concept i was more going to talk about the sketchbook okay where um because that's used as the totem to conjure charlie's spirit Mm -hmm. who knows if it's really charlie first of all i mean i've watched the conjuring so many times that like i've the beginning (laughs) of the first movie where they're like annabelle's not really a spirit haha there's a prankster uh (laughs) It kind of feels like, though, that it might not be Charlie. Right. But, like, none of this, this movie is, like, every, great rewatch value on this one because there are so many things that, like, you're, like, I never you and like before. You can appreciate it more on a second or third viewing. Same goes for The Witch and 1666. Like, uh-huh. All of these movies were, thank you for making yes. me watch them again. Um, yeah. I was, I was dreading the watch, rewatching The Witch because I thought it was a slower paced movie than it was, but it's not, it's, surprisingly. Yeah. Well, it's only about 90 minutes long, a little over 90 minutes. I didn't, I thought it was like two and a half hours, you know. <laughs> <laughs> I think um, I saw, well, I think I saw it when I, I, I was working and like i was a little tired so 
maybe it f- at that time it felt like two and a half hours long right also like the first time like you yeah the first time you watch it it's also like i don't know what's going on the whole time so it just feels longer because you're working too hard to try to figure it out and then once you've actually seen it and you rewatch it you're like oh right i remember how this all ends i gotta watch it a third time to really understand what's going on uh <laughs> and like the I, I wrote down a few differences here and there where it's like um we hang the witch in 1666 right good makes a deal with the devil i mean they do summon is that in hereditary it's not summon payment the the grandmother had already made a deal with payment years before but we don't see it we don't see it or hear it yeah we we, We see aunt lydia photographs the photographs of it see aunt lydia do it um right and we we see the photographs of the grandmother uh back when she was alive in the gown and being showered oh right and then she wears the her head her (laughs) her head her dead head has the crown on it as at the altar which is fucking weird um but like we don't really see the actual like it's right it's, in we're, 66 we're, we see the ritual right yeah we're learning about that ritual second hand which is really interesting and then 60 uh fear street sets itself up for a sequel like a sequel series i'm gonna say right because um somebody grabs that book somebody grabs that book and then in hereditary like it's all about trauma um i think i said that i said that about 78 last week which that was all about ziggy's trauma this Mm -hmm. is about sarah's trauma but it's very different Mm -hmm. yeah (laughs) in hereditary everyone is traumatized even before the movie starts yeah before the the funeral for the mother the grandmother like tony collette's character was traumatized by her right but she continues to traumatize her children because of her own trauma like it's the way Mm -hmm. that her own brokenness then affects other people and breaks them as well do you have any other points you want to uh we were talking about puritanism puritanical lifestyle hooray yeah they settle it in Ohio in um, Fear Street. <laughs> With. Mm. Which is factual. <laughs> Don't look it up. Don't look it up. <laughs> but uh, is there anything else you want to talk about with these movies, comparisons, differences? So a thing that I think all, a theme that I think all three of these movies are playing with, but only one of them really like actually highlights it. Uh, which is hereditary, is the idea of free will versus fate. Um, Which it's just kind of in both The Witch and Fear Street 1666. It's kind of like you they're dealing with people who are put in such hard situations that they can only choose certain options, uh, that they don't get to move around the way they want to, partly because of the society they're in partly because of the demonic forces working against them or trying to corral them a certain way. Demons, you say. (laughs) Demons. Uh, But in Hereditary, that is also happening, but they flat out 
outline that early on in the movie uh, in Peter's English class, they're talking about free will versus fate and what is more tragic if you fall tragically because that's what you chose or because there was no choice available to you. Like that whole movie is about this family unraveling because of something that somebody who's already dead chose for them and they have no way out of it. Um, at least in The Witch and Fear Street 1666, they can fight against people who are still alive to some degree. Right. Like in 1666, they killed the bad guy finally. Yeah, they did. There is, the, there is that ending battle scene. Right. So my thing with Fear Street 1666, when Sarah Fear gives her little speech and it does become part of the curse on Shady Side that now she's going to haunt the good family forever and be able to share her story with future generations and give them a way to end the curse. I'm I'm kind of a little bit confused on to how exactly that works and confused in a good way. Mm-hmm. Like this isn't a criticism. It's just, it's interesting that that can be taken as maybe she does have some sort of connection to magic herself. And it's like actually her own spell. Or it could be that she says it with such conviction to Solomon that maybe he subconsciously writes that into his own curse. And he's the one who actually placed all of that in there himself. Does that make sense? It does make sense. I mean, he is shooketh. He is shooketh. I was shooketh. Were you shooketh? I was. I was a little shooketh. Okay. Yeah. It's a good. I speech. was. I was shooketh at the time because I thought that was the end of the movie, and then it was like, nope, we've got another hour left, and I was just <laughs> like, okay. Right. Well, we need to get Martin back in there because we didn't give him enough to do in the first one. No. I love Martin. You know what I love though? What's that? special features on our episodes <laughs> good job thank you special <laughs> features okay so this episode for special features we're gonna do something different from what we normally do which is john and i each take a movie we do further research we try to shaketh each other oh i'm shooketh <laughs> uh and hopefully surprise our audience with, with what we've learned but in continuing with the tradition we have set for this trilogy with the previous two entries we went a little broader with what we were researching um i researched witchcraft on film and john you researched the fear street book series by rl stein again just went to wikipedia <laughs> <laughs> good job um, so should you take it first or? Oh, no, let's have you go first because reasons. I don't know. Okay, I will go first. Um, so contrary to last episode where I did not find a lot of what I was hoping to find online, um, I was able to find a lot of really good resources about witches on film. I'm going to be primarily pulling from two of them. The first one is a book called Bell, Book, and Camera, A Critical History of Witches in American Film and Television, which was written by Heather Green. Piggybacking off of that, uh, Sierra Wardlow wrote for Film School Rejects uh, an essay called A Short History of Witches on Screen, where 
she also references that book, but she adds a lot of extra information on there. Mm. Obviously, when we're talking about Hollywood filmmaking, a lot of what we take from witchcraft and our understanding of it comes from specifically European tradition. There's a lot of history all over the world about people who perform magic, but we are largely dealing with, in these three movies, a post-Christian Europeans concept of witchcraft. Post-Christian Europeans concept. Okay. Because, I mean, like, you can go back, I mean, Medea from Greek mythology is an evil witch, but obviously she's not based off of the Christian idea of what makes her evil. Okay, I see what you mean now. And even when we talk about real life uh, witch burnings or witch hunts, they were targeting people largely who were politically inconvenient for the ruling class of the time. What's interesting about that when Christians do it is that that's how Jesus was executed because he was politically inconvenient for the ruling class of his time. Oh boy. We're going to get, we're going to get so canceled. (laughs) Also, obviously, at least in two of these movies, what we're heavily referencing are the Salem witch hunts. Mm -hmm. Salem, Massachusetts, which were carried out specifically by Puritan people. What's interesting about that is we always think of that uh, in modern times as uh, a phenomenon that was specifically targeting women, but there were men who were targeted as well. Uh, Very few though, right? It started with women, and it should be noted that the very first person who was accused was uh, a slave girl named Tituba from Barbados. Oh, good. Racism. So, you Yay. know, we're, we're adding a little racism to the mix. Good job, Puritans. Anyway, oh, <laughs> um, but Giles Corey famously is one of the people who was actually killed during, uh, after being accused of witchcraft. A lot of the people who were accused during the Salem witch trials weren't actually killed. Giles Corey was because he was fairly radical and outspoken against uh, the the church and all of that. Um, And he was pressed to death. Oh, shit. Which is where they they laid stones on him until he finally suffocated and died. And famously, his final words were more weight. Oh, shit. He was kind of a badass. When we reference witch hunts in the modern day though we do typically reference them from a feminist lens where we are focusing a lot on how women were targeted in many ways because it turns out there are a lot more things women can do to become quote-unquote politically inconvenient than there are for men (laughs) which is talking (laughs) yeah although you know gay men were often targeted men who spoke out against the church or you know, wh- whichever governing bodies, they were also often targeted. But any woman who had her own business, guess what? She's too powerful. We need to put her in her place. Any woman who was single after like 21. Prime target. Basically, yeah. This is overstated in modern times to some degree, but it definitely existed. Sexual liberation was frowned upon and especially sexual liberation for women. We tend to overemphasize that portion of it as a modern audience because that is something that we can still relate to. What? In modern times? What? Who? What? (laughs) Slut shaming? What? Huh? But because we like to connect to that, that's where a lot of fiction uh, regarding witches comes from, that sort of angle. I want to say that the first depiction of 
the Salem witch trials on film actually happened in a 1937 romantic melodrama called Made of Salem. I've never seen it. I never really heard of it before reading this stuff. But I have seen the next movie that they mentioned, which is I Married a Witch from 1942, which is a fun rom-com about a woman who was persecuted during the Salem witch trials. Turns out she actually was a witch. She cursed the family who uh, executed her and then comes back in modern times to seduce and then intends to break the heart of the direct descendant of the man who accused her and ends up falling in love with him instead. What? (laughs) Uh, Starring Veronica Lake. It's a screwball romantic comedy and it doesn't hold up super well, but there's fun stuff in it uh, and it's very short. So, but that movie directly influenced a movie in the 50s, uh, 1958's Bell, Book and Candle. That movie went on to inspire the TV show Bewitched. Ah. Um, So what I think is really interesting in the Film School Rejects uh, article that I read is she broke down three different distinct waves of witches on film, uh, at like particular times when they were very trendy. And she said that it's largely the 50s and 60s, and then the 90s, and then the modern day, starting about five-ish years ago. So with Hereditary and The Witch. That was around the same time that we got American Horror Story Coven, The Chilling Adventures of Sabrina the Teenage Witch. You mashed up two TV titles, by the way, with Did that I? one. It's Chilling Adventures oh, of Sabrina. Chilling Adventures of Sabrina. You're right. Sorry about that. I mean, um, she did come back in the 90s with or like Right. Or, well, that's part of the 90s wave. Um, is Sabrina. Yeah. And it's kind of funny because in the 50s and 60s, we take sort of this comedy approach to witches. Uh, with Bewitched, Bell Book and Candle. They're very light. They're not necessarily sympathetic as far as the persecution of witches or anything, but they're not portraying them as the Wicked Witch of the West, who's probably the most famous witch on film ever. Yeah. Yeah. And Glinda. Both yeah, of them. Yeah, and Glinda. Okay. But we definitely take this sort of comic, broad comic approach to witches in the 50s and 60s. In the 90s, it's still largely lighter and more comic, but it skews younger, so more teenagers. And we also take a much more sympathetic approach to the persecution of the witches. So even though it's not really, it's not a comedy, but we, she does mention The Craft, a movie that we have talked about on a previous episode. Right. Sabrina the Teenage Witch, a sitcom, but she does spend a lot of time very much trying to hide the fact that she's a witch for fear of persecution. Or for fear of losing her powers, depending on who it is who punishes her first. Uh, They mentioned the movie Teen Witch, which is a terrible movie that I love and has nothing to do with persecution whatsoever, but it is a teen witch. So there you go. And then, of course, she mentions Hocus Pocus, which is a very broad comedy. The witches are evil, but they're also very funny. They're very screwball-y. Right. Uh, And that is obviously a classic. And then in the modern day, what we get is we're definitely being more sympathetic to witches in general, but we have this heavy amount of gore associated with it, real horror stuff associated with it. And it's interesting because that harkens back to old stories of witches that these are all based on, which were basically scary stories to get kids to behave well, or, you know, to get rid of your political enemies, whichever. Whichever. 
Whichever. Hello, the witch. <laughs> um, but we're using those elements, but in a way where we're sympathizing with the people who are employing this sort of very dark blood magic. Chilling Adventures of Sabrina uses a lot of satanic imagery, and that's on purpose, and they have gotten in trouble with the Church of Satan because of that. They but- say, instead of, oh my God, they say, oh my Satan. I love it. <laughs> and there's obviously a lot of really heavy horror happening with that show, with American Horror Story Coven, with Suspiria, which is also about witchcraft. The remake um, we're talking about, because the yes. 70s one, also gore, but like it's not as yeah. bad. Yeah. We're a let. I don't want to say we're not a puritanical society anymore because at least in American society, we don't do a lot of sex in movies anymore. Huh. Oh yeah. I didn't even think of that. (laughs) Yeah, no, that's always like a big discussion on film Twitter all the time is how there's no more sex in movies, mainstream movies anyway. But, but we are okay with violence. I, I think that's interesting because we are still in movies like The Witch and Fear Street 1666 we are still dealing with the sexual identities of young women and how that ties to their social persecution. And of course, tying all that back into witchcraft, we're more focused on the actual horror elements than the sexual liberation element, Mm -hmm. uh, which is very interesting. And I don't know the reason for that, but I'm sure there is a reason for that. And I would love for somebody to write an article about it someday so I can read it and patronize that person. And it's not you. (laughs) It's not going to be me. (laughs) So I got off track here and I'm not sure how to wrap. Oh, another good example of a Disney movie that doesn't actually use the term witches, but still kind of plays with the idea of good witch versus bad witch. And that's Frozen. They never actually use the term witch. But Elsa is treated very much the same way a witch would be. Uh, where she's socially persecuted because of her power. She doesn't know how to control it. She is a young woman who doesn't, was heavily sheltered and doesn't understand how to control her power because of that sheltering. So Disney itself, despite trading in evil witches for a very long time, starting with the evil queen from Snow and the Seven Dwarves, they are themselves sort of refiguring that out and trying to put it under a different lens. And that's really interesting because that's kind of what a lot of people are doing now. We sympathize with the witches now. Even when they're evil, we're given a justification for it. It's not just Wicked Witch of the West. I want power and I want to kill people. Mm-hmm. Yeah, even on like Sabrina, the Chilling Adventures of Sabrina, these uh, you see these women and they are being strong with and like reclaiming the term witch in a way. Yeah. And Uh, there's a lot to be said, too, about the fact that we view witch as being specifically feminine and we use terms like wizard and warlock for men with magical powers. When that's in the olden days, anyone could have been a witch. But we do specifically gender it now. Well, and it should also be noted, like the show Charmed, where the original show, I Mm -hmm. can't really speak about this new one, but the original one, they are sexy women mm-hmm. playing witches, which also plays off of the good witch, bad witch in some episodes. Because like they are still like everyone on that show is sexy. I mean, it's right. a soap opera, so it's supposed to be. 
I imagine like the closet of Alyssa Milano's character where she's wearing skimpy outfits like her and Shannon Doherty and Rose McGowan when she eventually came on like would show their midriff a lot mm-hmm. which is you know sexy but uh but they were owning it they were hot women playing these roles and so I don't know if that's what started it but like in that show they were playing with themes and rules of what a witch should look like which then to bounce off of what you were saying leads to the modern sense of like well what is a witch like are they all evil right well even in charmed they were all they were all career ladies i am so sorry about the dog barking in the background i can't get her to stop oh puppy puppy but they were all career women they had jobs they were more focused on that than they they dated and they eventually got married but they weren't looking to be housewives right so we're already dealing with the idea of a woman with a with a career is dangerous but in this case she's not dangerous it's just a neutral thing Right. And like, yes. And then in the modern times with even what we talked about with the witch and hereditary, I mean, in hereditary in both of them, actually, um, the frumpish haggish, I don't want to call Anne Dowd a, ha- a hag or frumpy by any means, but they dressed her frumpily. Right. They, they were, that's how the character is coded. Right. So they they were kind of reverting back to the 50s or to what a witch would look like, mm-hmm. quote unquote, you know, right. but like they're Even, doing it, they're doing it with a, a slightly modern twist. Right. Because even Anne Dowd, she has a son and a grandson. So she clearly had a man at some point. Is that but- real? Is that real, first of all? And second of all, even if it is real, we don't see her with a husband. So widowed women were also many times mm-hmm. put under the same umbrella as spinsters, which happens in Fear Street 1666. But then in, I, I, I wanted, part of me wanted to also do Suspiria for this episode, the remake. Yeah. But like in that one, you have women who are beautiful and career driven mm-hmm. and a little odd looking. Sorry, Tilda, but like, mm, oh. you know, your type Tilda, right. uh, they are also playing with like what a witch looks like mm-hmm. in a way. Right. But you, you know, what is a good way to figure that out is by going to the source material Hey-oh. of, of, things i.e <laughs> books so i was tasked with i'm sorry that was such a great segue i love you so much oh i'm so happy great because i didn't really i mean <laughs> smooth smooth just keep it going <laughs> uh, yeah so rl stein you know he's the he's the daddy of 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 the fear street series um which is interesting because Fear Street, the, the first book of the series was published in 1989. And we, I mean, we know 
R.L. Stein primarily for Goosebumps. Let's be real here. Right. But that started in 1992. So he had a few books out, I think, of Fear Street prior to that, to Goosebumps. So wow. he busy. <laughs> yeah. And then in a couple of years, his ghostwriter is busy. Right. But the Fear Street book series has 51 books. And I believe it's all, it centers around like a group of people. Okay. Or does it center around the town? I haven't read any of these books. (laughs) And the Wikipedia page is very light because it's just the list of Fear Street books. Oh, wow. So yeah, it's still about Shadyside versus um, Sunnyvale. In the book, they didn't change the name of Fear or change the spelling of fear, I should say. It is still F-E-A-R. Oh, well, okay. Let me rephrase that. In the modern times, the fear family is spelled F-E-A-R. They are spelled F-I-E-R in the past. And it's it's around Simon Fear, F-I-E-R. He changed the name in the 19th century because they were cursed by family was cursed the family was cursed okay so william good different name than solomon i prefer solomon personally i like solomon that sounds more terrifying it does also he lives out on his own in the woods he is a solo man so oh god (laughs) so william good places a curse on the fear family because Two men in the fear family sentenced to good women, G O O D, <laughs> not to be confused, uh, <laughs> sentenced to death be- on the grounds of being a witch or witches, I should say. Okay. And so over time, they are, I guess in every book, they're fucked in a way. <laughs> the fears? The fears, yeah. Okay. So, Oh, so did they change their name because they thought that would end the curse? Sure. Okay. Why not? Because they were like, it's the F-I-E-F-I-E-R's they're cursing, not the F-E-A-R's. Yeah, sure. Yeah. Okay, hold on. Let me make sure I got this straight. So a good man was an actual witch who placed a curse and fears were involved in that, but it's not exactly the same as the movies. According to the Wikipedia page, that's okay. correct. Okay, great. Okay, great. All right, I'm following now. Sorry. From what I'm reading here, I believe, though, that they are... I mean, it's a revenge plot, kind of, it seems like, where, you know, you, you ruined my family line, so now I'm going to ruin yours. But they were various series if you will so there's the original fear street series that was from i don't know when the last one was was released but it's the 51 books oh look some kid in the 60s so we do bounce around in the timeline okay uh but i think it's only per book i don't think it's like right right. it's like an anthology yes I get, I want to say in the modern times, which means in the uh, 21st century. Right. We've got New Fear Street, which is only for a four novel series. 
And then there's a, a six series set from basically 2014 to 2017, which is another like Fear Street series. Then there's Return to Fear Street, which is a three book series. Mm-hmm. Um, Fear Street Super Chiller, which is the 13 book series. Oh yeah, that's like the Sweet Valley High Super Chillers. Love it. And then there's Fear Street Cheerleaders, Fear Street Saga, 99 Fear Street, The House of Evil, Fear Street, The Cataluna Chronicles, Fear Street, Fear Park, and then Ghosts of Fear Street, which is aimed for kids 18 to 12. I feel like the other ones are for like high schoolers. Okay. So wait, these titles, you those are mini series within the Fear Street series. Those aren't individual book titles. Correct. They are spinoffs, if okay. you will. Okay. All right. Just want to make sure I have it correct in my head. <laughs> and this Ghosts of Fear Street is for young a younger audience. And it oh, is goosebumps? written by a, well, with Fear Street. Um, and it's written, <laughs> uh, it's written by a ghostwriter. And this one is 36 books. Okay. And then there's Fear Street Sagas is a 16 book series uh, from March 96 to January 99. Okay. And then, oh boy, there's more. God damn it. Oh my gosh. There's Fear Street Seniors, which is a 12 book series. And then Fear Street Nights, which is a three book series. So RL Sign making all that money. Yeah. I'm assuming Fear Street Seniors uh, uh, is in reference to like high school seniors, but I would really be tickled if it was actually about like a retirement living community. (laughs) God, they don't have enough description on there. So I'm going to say yes. (laughs) Now that is a a demo that we don't, we don't really use enough in horror. We don't target enough in horror is, you know, retirees. There have been a few scenes, at least. Right. It's usually like, oh, young people, aren't you scared of becoming old? I want one that's for older audiences, like retire AARP audiences. <laughs> hey, hey, boomers, remember this? <laughs> like, I uh, want a slasher my grandma could enjoy. But they uh, tried to make a TV series out of the books. Disney currently owns the rights to it and they actually did have the Ghosts of Fear Street is aired on ABC television in 1998 but it was only the pilot oh oh that sucks yeah I'm trying to so can you find plot descriptions to any of the individual books well just so happened to have the very first book here. So the first book is called The New Girl, right? Um, apparently, a character named Corey falls in love with Anna, the mysterious new girl at school. But his friends never see her. And when he looks her up, the family names not listed. Is Anna real? Or is there something more sinister going on? Or is Corey just disassociative? So I, I mean, she's supposed to be a ghost. Let's be real. Okay, here. yeah. But I feel like, from what I'm reading here, it feels similar to Goosebumps, where every book has its it's an anthology. Right. Every but every book has its own horror to tell. 
Okay, so there's, it's not all witchcraft. Some of it is ghosts. Some of it might be vampires. Some of it might be a flesh and blood murderer. Right, so like random number in the original series. Ready, go. Uh, 43, all night party. For Cindy's birthday, her friends take her to Fear Island for a party. But when Cindy is murdered, the friends are pulled into a nightmare. Who is Cindy's killer and who will be the next to die? Little Agatha Christie in there. Okay. Okay. Right. Uh, give me a number between one and 51. 19. 19. Okay. Called Sunburn. While at her, while at her friend Marla's beach house for the weekend, Claudia believes a series of fatal accidents are actually murders. Okay. So the impression I'm getting is that it's similar to Goosebumps where it's not like these movies where they're all intricately tied together. It's more like the unifying element is they take place in the same town and the justification is that the town is cursed. I mean, I feel like it's about the family fear. So like throughout generations, from what I'm reading about these from gen- it's like different generations of the family fear so and like are all the like that's the connecting the, right but are all the protagonists in these books related to the fears sure <laughs> that's a big family well that's like, a lot of cousins but like over time so like like but I it said, it sounds they, like the ones you just read out don't sound like period pieces. They sound like they were contemporaneous to when they were published. Who knows? I mean, that's and that's also they, if all these people are dying in the same family, eventually the family's going to die out. You can't you can't have more. So the last one is the ep- uh, episode <laughs> book number 51 is called Trapped. And in this little description here. It says some kid in the some kids in the '60s used to party in the tunnels under Shadyside High School until someone familiar. until someone or something left a bunch of people dead. Now Elaine Butler and her detention friends are exploring those same tunnels. It's oh god, don't tell me this is the Breakfast Club book. <laughs> Is it that, that still is it sounds like club? that sounds like the 60s stuff is just the, the background for this story and the rest of it is in the modern it, day. Shady, I'm trying here. I'm trying <laughs> so hard here. Uh, and and maybe we all like, maybe it's like the, the the super thrillers or whatever that are about the fear family. Well, um, on my little iBooks app on my little iPhone here, there are some books available. So I probably will read some of them. And by read, I mean listen to because I'm busy and I love listening to audiobooks. We are not sponsored. Please sponsor us, somebody. Audible. Oh my God. Sponsor us. Yeah. Like we've got a few. There are a bunch of them on here. Uh, The new girl being like the first one that pops up. But like, yeah, these, the, the, book arts man oh boy (laughs) but it looked oh god i forgot how cheesy the book arts can be it looks like there's only a few of them available oh anyone knows you know our socials (laughs) help me find these books yeah hopefully they're not like three hundred dollars yeah you might be able to find some at like your local library check out some like 
some secondhand bookshops. But it's, I mean, it's interesting that like he wrote, quote unquote, that whole series. But now I'm looking at his Goosebumps series and the OG Goosebumps is from 92 to 97. Wow. And it looks like he has multiple books coming out per year. That was the model back then. That was the same thing for Sweet Valley High. That was the same thing for Babysitter's Club. You had a book a month. Yeah, basically, it looks like. Like, looking at the last year, 97. One, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten, eleven, twelve. 10, 11, 12. Yep. Yep, there, are, there is a book a month, basically. Uh, remember Scholastic Showcase? Oh, my God, yes. Uh, but, but, so, he has two series around the same time, because then, like, he picks back up. I don't know if he did the spinoffs or if it was ghostwriters or if it was other people credited for it. Right. But he or did. He pick... wrote the outline and then ghostwriters actually did the tippy taps. The tippity tap taps. Yes. But uh, he was attached to the uh, fear street, the 2014 revival. And then the, there was one coming in. Oh, Return to Fear Street is from 2018 to 2019. So, like, I don't know how many of the how many of these he's actually written, but that's just me. Hmm. And on that note, well, I have a question for you, real quick. You notice uh-huh. in the B. Dalton scene in the beginning, Heather is selling that woman a book that looks like it could be a Fear Street book written by a man named Robert Lawrence. Is Robert Lawrence R.L. Stein's name? Yes, it is. Robert, Robert Lawrence Stein. Dope. That's cool. That's cool. Yeah. That's a nice well, touch. They, though, I think those books are actually Fear Street books. Right. They just changed the, ty- the, the author and well, probably took Fear Street off of the book. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, but like, did they really change the author's name? But maybe I'll start reading them. Interesting. I might start reading them too. Who knows? Yes. Who knows? We might have some time on our hands. Let's but move let's... on to final thoughts for now, though. Oh, God, yes. <laughs> Special I have five questions. Ooh, surprise. Fifth question. I'm ready. I think I it might be what I think it is, though. You know what it is. We, I asked, we, I asked we, it to you a while this. ago. Uh, did we like these movies? Talking about 1666, Hereditary, and The Witch. Uh, yeah, three thumbs up. I am, I, I think I like them, mm-hmm. but like, I'm still confused by them. I'm just confused a little bit about what I watched. And I think I'm going to have to ask you those questions off screen, <laughs> off See, camera. That's the kind of horror I like where I'm like, well, what the fuck did I just watch? Nothing makes sense. True. Uh, <laughs> would we watch them again? I mean, I would. Uh, maybe the third rewatch will give me more of what I'm asking about them. Right. Yeah. I'd re- heavy rewatch value on all three of these movies. Again, two of them not super fun. You have to kind of be in the mood for them. Yes. Uh, would we recommend them? Yeah. I mean, y- I... I- I will never not recommend Fear Street uh, as a exactly. series. Yeah, and it's then great. 
And then the other two, like, yeah, but what Shady said, you have to be in the right mood for them. Yeah, there are some people I know who do, don't do super well with gore that I don't know that I would recommend Hereditary to because it gets quite icky. The last spots. act just gets yeah off the rails. <laughs> or like somebody who like super hates insects, maybe skip Hereditary. Uh, okay, so are you asking me to rate... Uh, what we how we would rate the Fear Street movies? Yeah, yeah, rank 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 them one two three or three two one. I like going backwards. I'm gonna do. You're gonna do three two is, one. This is this is uh well no that's not my ranking. I just when I rank things and this is all relative. The one I like the least, I like to say first, and then I like to build up to the one I like the most. Got it. So what is the one that you like the least? I think, and it's not that I don't like it. I just think it's the weakest narratively. 1994. Hmm. I, it just, it drags so much in that first act. It, I'm like, going to have to, I think I'm going to have to agree with you. Yeah. And I think though, I'm going to say 1978 is my favorite. I have exactly the same. That's how I would do it. 78, 66, 94. That's my order. Sweet. We are the same person. We are. Well, I think 78 is also the most straightforward as a slasher of the three of them. So I think right. I really like it because of that. Still playing with the supernatural elements. Oh but yeah, like it's just blood and guts everywhere. Yeah. Um, I like I, what I I as far as like ambition, I love what sixteen sixty six did and how it was able to pay off so many moments laid down in the first two movies. Yeah, it was a great missing jigsaw piece uh, movie. Yeah. Without it being like, guys, like this is all 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 the answers. Oh. Right. I mean, it's still, uh, there are some shots that were like that, like when they put the red moss crown down and you're like, and they like stayed on it for like a beat and you're like, oh, okay. Well, <laughs> right. And why it, the it's... red moss is important now. Right. Yeah. Did Fear Street capture the themes and style of Hereditary and or The Witch? I'm going to say yes to the themes, no to the style. Of both movies or of one movie? Different stuff from both movies. I'm going to but... have to agree with you because, like, the setting is clearly from The Witch. Right. I mean, not really, but, like, they got, they, they probably pulled some elements from there. Being like, oh, remember, everyone has an accent. Ha ha! Uh, <laughs> but, like, yeah, I said it earlier where the where one did like didn't have the answer for them they probably were influenced by the other right um and then obviously they're going to be different because it's going to be different from those two because those are two standalone movies this has to build off of two previous movies and close a lot of threads that were already opened and potentially start a series of movies right and it's going for a little bit more of a mainstream audience the other two are closer house. yeah they're closer to our house uh it's a24 it's what they do it's what they do <laughs> and then finally now this is the question i wanted that i asked you a couple days ago could the fear street movies work at a di in different time periods so mm -hmm. like more of what i'm talking about i get that we need three different time periods right, right. Does it have to be, do, do the years have to be 94, 78, and 1666? Because 
1666 is a little on the nose for me. Yeah, it's kind of, it's, oh, you did that, okay. Yeah, you're just like, oh, well. And it's. Kind of been like 1640. Right, yeah. It's still the same. Right. It, I mean, it, I think it has to be the 17th century, uh, despite taking place in Ohio and starring primarily white people. Right. I mean, I, I, I'm okay. That I'm okay with. But like. Yeah, I'll take that break. I will take that break. But like, uh, 90, did it have to be set in 1994? I think 94, honestly, the only difference it would have made if it were set right now is you got to have the technology. Them. Right, right. You just have to have something where you say, oh, our phone reception isn't working. That's the only thing that you need. It, I mean, otherwise, I don't think there's any reason why it has to be 1994. I mean, I feel like you could push it to like even 2003. Yeah. Cell phones weren't really that big then. Yeah. And either. kids who were lower income, like they were probably would not have had them in 90 in 2003. So like, but you would have a whole different like mic um, needle drops and different viewpoints on technology and everything. But I do feel like there would be differences, but I feel like they would be largely aesthetic. Yeah. I feel like, I feel like this, these movies can work in any time period. Yeah. But like, it'll, it, it would affect the style and potentially the casting. Yes. Because if you wanted to have Gillian Jacobs, you need to have it set. You need the second movie to be set, obviously, like about 20 years earlier. Yeah, I mean, she's she we can assume that her character is about our age and 16 years ago we were 17. Right. And if you because if you still wanted to do like the slasher, the camp and the witch mm-hmm. styles, um, I mean, you, you could set the camp movie in the 80s and it'll still work because not everyone has a cell phone. Right. Phones itself are very limited. Right. Um, bullying was just completely bullying was the same. <laughs> Um, I feel like though, and you could still keep the same character types because it was solidified. I just, I just want to know why they picked those years specifically. I'm assuming because 1994, we got Wes Craven's new nightmare, which was the beginning of the meta horror craze. 1978, we got Halloween, which was the beginning of the slasher craze. But like. Why set it in the woods if you're clearly referencing uh, Friday the 13th, which came out in 1980? It's doing the, the it's, it's broadening their net a little bit with what they're referencing. It's doing the Lord's work. It's really. doing the Lord's work. And you know who else is doing the Lord's work? What's that? We are. <laughs> Lord so, Satan? Lord Satan, yes. Lord Payman. Lord Payman, all hail. And if you want to <laughs> hail Lord Payman with me, you can reach out to my Twitter at Movies John. Also, go take a look at my uh, other podcast called Life's But a Song. I need listeners. Thank yeah. you. <laughs> oh, Life's But a Song is so good. Jenny has been a, on a bunch of episodes. Yeah, those are the bad ones. The good ones are the ones without me. Lies. Sing Street was beautiful and was Gallivant and was my musical. So you should. Thank you. Thank you, friend. Uh, But yeah, listen to it. It's fun. If you love musicals, you have to listen to it. If you don't love musicals, listen to it anyway, because you might learn that you love them. And you can reach out to me anywhere at Buttasung Pod. Uh, Shady, where can the good people reach out to you? 
they can reach out to me on Twitter at Cookie Shady. What kind of dessert are you feeling right now, Shady? I, I have to be a butter cookie because apparently butter is a sin. Butter cookie it is. Butter is a carb and it's a sin. And it's very much a sin. Yes. Uh, and if you want to reach out to us as a podcast, you can email us at moviedejavupod at gmail.com. That is M-O-V-I-E-D-E-J-A-V-U-P-O-D at gmail.com. Uh, we're on Facebook and Instagram at Movie Deja Vu Pod, and we're on Twitter at Movie Deja Vu No Pod. Why is that shady? Because somebody accused the pod of witchcraft and it's been hanged. Ooh, gross. Too real. Too real. And if you want to be part of next episode's <laughs> next episode's movies, I'm so excited. <laughs> <laughs> we're going to be talking about, we're going back to our regular scheduled programming with everything. <laughs> and we're going to be talking about Annihilation versus Color color Out of Space. Oh, uh, Nicolas Cage. I'm so happy. He comes oh back. My oh my God. All hail Lord Cthulhu. All hail Lord Cthulhu. <laughs> I have a lot of thoughts about the. I have a lot of feelings about that movie. So yeah. get ready for that. <laughs> um, but thank you for listening. And we should go hide shady because I think people are hunting us thinking we're witches. Torches and pitchforks. Oh no. I, I heard some chanting and oh. I think I saw a torch somewhere. So let's go oh, hide. No. Okay. Bye everyone. Bye. Bye. Kill them all. Murder, more murder. That's what Luigi said. Gotta put one in your head. Bang. We're coming to serve you. More murder. More murder, more murder. More murder, more murder, more murder.